Hey everyone, we have a great episode of the final third for you today. We talk all about Bayern Munich winning the sextuple, becoming one of the greatest teams of all time. We talk about the CONCACAF Champions League draw occurring. We talk about all the crazy transfers happening in Europe and in MLS. You're not going to want to miss it. But before we get to all of that, right now, pause the episode right now. If you don't follow us on Twitter, you're going to go to Twitter if you have it and follow us at Final Third Show. Again, at Final Third Show. You're going to follow us on wherever you listen to the podcast. And if you haven't already, you're going to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or turn on notifications if your podcast hosts allow that. It means the world that people are listening. We are growing at crazy speeds. So the more that we get people engaged and listening to us, the better. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 7 of the Final Third Soccer Podcast where we take you through some big stories, we talk about predictions, and talk about U.S. men's national team news throughout the week. And I'm Jack, I am a Chelsea fan, Minnesota United fan, Atlanta fan, and I'm joined here with AJ. Yeah, I'm AJ, I am a Minnesota United fan, West Ham United fan, and a United States men's and women's national team fan a lot of united's i just realized and yeah we have an amazing show for you guys today we're gonna go over right off the top of the episode the five big stories that we think that everybody should know we're gonna get deep into them we're gonna talk about why it matters what it means go go some over some smaller stories and then we're gonna talk about the u.s men's national team all the news there and finally we're gonna close this off with some predictions from last week and for the matches this coming week jack did i miss anything no i don't think you missed anything so why don't you get us started with our first big story uh i know you're a big fan of u.s soccer and especially of the u.s open cup so why don't you talk to us about those new format changes yeah so just like jack said the u.s open cup the usa's version of uh, a country-wide open soccer cup is is changing a little bit this year uh, for those of you who don't know u.s open cup got canceled last year due to covid19 and it was the first time they had not hosted a tournament since 1913 so for over 100 years the u.s open cup has continuously been going on so now the soccer federation in the usa is coming back with a revised but smaller tournament uh, COVID a lot doesn't allow for local qualifiers, nor is there enough space in the calendar to have a full tournament. So this is what the format's going to be. It's only going to be five rounds and 24 teams. Eight teams from MLS, eight from the USL Championship, two from USL League One, two from the NISA, and four from amateur leagues. And there's also a contingency plan in place. They'll try their best to get the rounds started in April and finish the tournament with the final on June 29th or 30th. It's a quick tournament, only two months, but you know there's a lot riding on the line. There's a lot riding on you know COVID kind of clearing up by April, but if they can't get that going, they're just going to cancel it and focus on 2022. And the big thing here, and the reason why this is very contentious, is it's only 24 teams, and there's no real set way to see which teams will actually qualify for the tournament. 
uh, it seems like they're still going to try to figure that out, whether it's going to be on merit or just whoever really wants it. Who knows? Who knows? Only 24 teams. Obviously, that sucks. Obviously, it sucks that the competitive integrity is damaged in the first place, but it's hard to discredit the U.S. Soccer Federation for lack of trying. We tweeted about this earlier this week, but this is honestly a lose-lose situation. You either host kind of a sham uh, throwaway tournament, or you let Atlanta United get another auto berth because they're still the, the reigning champions of the U.S. Open Cup. You give them an auto berth to the Champions League for a second year in a row. It's hard. It sucks. It's COVID-19, so you kind of have to roll with the punches. Jack, w- what do you think about this new format? Yeah, well, I, I'm personally a little upset about it, even though I know the U.S. Soccer Federation, they're trying their best, as you said, but it, it's really tough because it gets rid of a lot of those kind of what, what I tweet about a lot on our account, the magic of the cup moments where you right, see right. It, these big stories and these teams like uh, lower league teams who are giving like who are playing their hearts out like that you can tell how passionate they are about these competitions and I, I can't help but wonder if we're going to see a lot less of those sorts of stories. And if so, it, it'll feel like kind of a diminished U.S. Open Cup. And right. I'm, I'm kind of struggling between like, you know, do, would I prefer a diminished U.S. Open Cup over none at all? And it's kind of tough to say because I, I feel like a lot of that magic is just lost when you decide to do something like this. But, I, you know, I'm still going to watch it, obviously. And if I if I have to say, I really hope they kind of base this off of some league positions in some cases, like, you know, um, uh, the NPSL, you know, they they had a, a season before COVID and everything. If they base it off of that, I would really like that because it means that Minnesota, uh, not Minnesota, Minneapolis City SC yes. might make a, a berth there. And I'd love to see that because they're a fun team to watch. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh I hope it will. Uh, I hope it will still capture some of that magic, but I'm a little pessimistic that it will capture the full range of it. Yeah, and that is the main criticism: not having that same magic and just kind of having 24 teams do a shell of the tournament for 2021. A lot to be confused by, a lot to be excited by, but we'll have to see what they plan to do this upcoming season. But we have some pretty big transfers around the world and in MLS. Jack's going to go over them right now. Jack, take it away. Yeah, so let's start a little bit abroad. So let's start in Europe uh, with perhaps the biggest transfer news yes. of the week, which is Deo Upamecano, the long sought after French center back from RB Leip- Leipzig, has agreed to go to Bayern Munich. Uh, it, he'll go there in the summer. I believe it's a 42 million euro Whoa. deal, which is a huge deal. You know, I mean, he's a top player. He made his international debut for France, my favorite national team last fall, and he played really well and he's been playing really well for Leipzig too. So, uh, I think it's an interesting transfer. It's a little strange, honestly, because going from Leipzig to Bayern, almost seems like a lateral move rather than an upwards move just because same league although the only difference is you're pretty much guaranteed a couple trophies every year yeah so i don't know it seems like a strange move for him but you know if that's what he wanted to do that's what he wanted to do and i can't wait to watch his development there but moving away from the uh you know 
from Europe, let's go on to MLS because there have been a lot of big signings happening For all sure. throughout the league. So let's start with perhaps the biggest and most star-studded one from or- to Orlando City. They signed Brazilian forward Alexandro Pato. I probably mispronounced that terribly, but <laughs> uh, you know he's a former AC Milan player, and he's he also uh, played with uh, Brazil's national team. Uh, and has won uh, the Club World Cup and so many other trophies. He he is a top-class player, and it's to a one-year deal, which is, you know, kind of expected since he's getting up there in age. He's right, 32, right. but I think that this could be a huge, uh, a huge deal because now you're looking at an Orlando City front line of, you know, Alexandra Pato, Nani, and uh, Chris Mueller, which Whoa. is which is a pretty I mean, one of those things, one of those players is not necessarily like the others. But, you know, I, it's yeah. still a pretty threatening front line. Pato to play sucks. Against. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah that, that's <laughs> the one. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to be it, this is going to be really crucial for them after they made so much progress in this last year. This is going this could be a signing that could potentially take them to the next level. Right. And uh, then we have. uh Let's move over to the new club, Austin FC, who have signed midfielder Tomas Pochettino. And I had to look this up. He is not related to Mauricio Pochettino. Darn. But they signed him as a designated player, and he's a 22-year-old Argentine. And he is, uh, oh, sorry, he moved from an Argentine club, at, and he's a Paraguay international. And uh, he is uh, he's going to be joining for as a designated player and this is a pretty big acquisition for austin because they haven't made any of these big moves yet and this is the first one that we've seen and i think that he has the potential to be a really good signing for them he's great at finding spaces in the final third name drop there and uh and he makes some good runs i've watched a few clips of him uh, after hearing about this and you know, he looks like a really good player who has a lot of potential to make a really exciting attack for Austin. And finally, we have a not so much of a transfer, but news surrounding a transfer. And that is around Frankie Amaya from Cincinnati, who was their super draft, one of their super draft picks and had a great season with them. Uh, I think one of his best moments probably came in the MLS's back tournament scoring that absolute wonder goal against Atlanta United. And, you know, he, rightfully so, I'd say, wants to try his luck at perhaps a more successful team, perhaps one that's challenging more for the playoffs and trophies. Yes. And uh, apparently he's tried to move out, but FC Cincinnati have no interest in letting him go, and they turned down several big trade offers for him. And... You know, I it looks like it could have been more than like a million dollars they were willing to pay for him in in some of these deals, which is a big a big move for for a pretty young player. And I think that this is, you know, I I kind of feel bad for him because he got drafted into a team that wasn't that great or defensively sound, but you know, I I hope that I hope that he's able to make his mark in Cincinnati this next season and make the most of this situation and maybe eventually move on to an even bigger club in the future. AJ, what do you think about those transfers? Those, those are a lot of transfers. And I mean, real quick, Bayern getting their center back of the future, their center back, 
long-term solution. That's really good. They're already arguably one of the best teams in the world right now. More on that later. Uh, so that's going to be really exciting to see. Feel bad for RB Leipzig fans. All, like, what, five of them, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pato to Orlando City is very interesting. Like you said, that's a very interesting front three that's going to be that's going to be there. I, I do wonder, uh, he's getting old, older, obviously, like you said, if he can perform to the same levels as he is expected to, to achieve. And he's on a non-designated player deal for a one-year deal. So really, it's just a low-risk, high-reward signing. It's either, it's either he does really, really well, they can sign him to an extension, or he only does kind of okay and they let him go. Pretty good. Amaya, he just seems like the perfect replacement for Jordan Morris, perhaps, in Seattle. Uh, I think he has some high ceilings. Not necessarily Europe-bound, I don't think, but I do think he is a really good player who can make the most out of whatever MLS team he goes to. And with that, let's go over staying in America. Let's go over the CONCACAF Champions League draw. Just last week, CONCACAF drew their Champions League round of 16 matchups. And what's interesting to note is that unlike maybe some other leagues, the bracket is set. Like once they draw the 16, it's, it's going to be those teams going against fixed matchups all the way through to the final. And so going over the big ones, we have Columbus Crew versus Real Esteli of Nicaragua. Uh, this is the easiest matchup for an MLS team by far. They came in th uh, through the CONCACAF League, which is the Europa, Europa League of North America. Columbus has a stacked team, but the question is, can they slog through the Champions League? We've seen really good teams seem to do pretty well in the Champions League, but then crash out because they just don't have a deep enough team. We saw that with Toronto FC. We saw that with Sporting Kansas City. But since the bracket is set, if they win against Real Esteli, they'd probably play, play, face four-time Champions League winners, Monterey, in the quarterfinals. Oh That's a tough and then either Yes. And then either Cruz Azul, Club Lyon, or Toronto FC in the semis. So even though they have the, by far the easiest round of 16 matchup, they have a very hard road ahead. And like I said... Next matchup after this, they'd face the winner of either Monterey or Atletico Panto Oja from Dominican Republic. And then we also have, staying on that same side of the bracket, we have Forge FC or Toronto FC going against Club Lyon. Now, the Canadian Championship has not been played yet between Toronto FC and the CPL winners. Uh, that's going to happen sometime in February. Toronto FC recently reached the finals in 2018. They're obviously a good team. They're probably going to win the Canadian Championship. I'm just going to assume that they're going to win that and move on. Club Leon was placed in pot B, and Toronto FC obviously drew them. Very unlucky draw. If they win, they get to play Cruz Azul. <laughs> this is the hardest draw of all. Like, there's, there's no... I'm sorry, Cana Canadians out there. It's not looking good for you. And yet, if they do win, they face the winner of Cruz Azul or Arcai of Haiti. Next, on the other side of the bracket, we have some very interesting matchups. We have Philadelphia Union versus Saprissa of Costa Rica. This is Philadelphia's first ever CONCACAF Champions League, and there's lots of questions to ask out of Philadelphia. They've sold two of their best homegrowns. They crashed out of the playoffs way too early last year. 
can they actually perform in the CONCACAF Champions League as Jim Curtin wants them to do? Saprissa are no joke in the Champions League. Estadio Saprissa down in Costa Rica is a very tough place to play. But to me, I think they have the mentality to win. If they win, they'll face either Atlanta United or Ala Huense of Costa Rica. And getting into that game, Atlanta struggled last season. But now they're coming back with new investments with Sosa, Lopez, and obviously Josef Martinez is back. They had the talents again. But again, the Costa Rican Giants, Alihuense, they're the best Costa Rican team right now. They're literally the best non-Mexican, non-American team in CONCACAF at the moment. They won the aforementioned CONCACAF League over Saprissa. They have not lost the game in the Costa Rican League in 2021. And they won the fall title just a couple months ago. They have players that are likely to come to MLS. MLS scouts are going to be glued to this matchup to see who they can snatch up. Very scary for Atlanta. This is honestly the second hardest matchup of this, the round of 16. Uh, going down that side of the bracket, we have Club America versus Olympia of Honduras. Club America is probably going to win that. But whoever wins that goes against Portland Timbers or Marathon, also of Honduras. Timbers kind of have the talent. They have Felipe Mora. Valeri, Sebastian Blanco, and honestly, Marathon isn't good enough to win. They're also one of the easier matchups for MLS teams. So honestly, the way that I see it, the way that I see it for MLS, it's hard to say who's the favorites given the pandemic, how well squads will manage to the, the very condensed schedule. In my mind, the most likely squad to win if there's going to be an MLS team that's going to win is Columbus and Philadelphia. Columbus has the squad. Philadelphia has the talent and the chip on their shoulder. Portland is a dark horse given their talent and how well their coach manages in these uh, knockout tournaments, as we saw in the MLS is back tournament last year. This is going to be a weird CCL. Toronto and Atlanta are going to have a hard time. Teams are going to have lots of injuries. Some Central American leagues have just taken long breaks due to COVID. So it's going to be weird because of that we'll be playing the first round in the mls preseason there's so much the factor that's it's just really hard to truly predict what's going to happen and that's the big story going into this concat champions league edition is just the unpredictability of all of these teams jack do you have any clues on what's going to happen in these matchups at all well one thing that I just want to say, because I thought you'd mention this, but I feel like I might as well mention it. Atlanta United do not deserve to be in this Champions League. Oh, oh yeah, right, right. I, I, I just wanted to say that because they played terribly last season. There is no way they deserve to be in here. Albeit, I guess, I guess uh, being in there one time before by being in the U.S. Open Cup champions. You know, what if they gave it to the second place team? That, I, I'd like oh, that yeah. idea. I think that would be a great idea. It's actually a, a really good idea. Uh, who, who, who was the, the runners-up for the Open Cup that, that year? Yeah. I, I don't remember, it, actually. It my mind. I think it might have been Minnesota United, though. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, I, I think it's only fair that we give it to Minnesota yeah. United. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think it definitely is. But uh, with, with my gripes aside, I think that this is going to be interesting to see because none of these teams really have easy paths to a final. Not that, right. like, the Champions League should be an easy path at all, but none of them have, like, really promising paths forward. I think, personally, if an MLS team is going to make it to the final and potentially challenge for it, 
it's going to be Columbus. That that's that's it. I I think that they're the only team with the depth and the talent to challenge. Philadelphia, as you said, sold off some great players, Mark McKenzie and Brendan Aronson both leaving. I I think that the best chance we have for an MLS team to make it through is the Columbus Crew. And you, I would, even with yeah. all those Mexican teams coming up against them, I I think so, honestly, just because okay. they have depth and talent and also I want to see my boy Kevin succeed kevin molino oh, yeah i want to see him succeed he deserves to be playing in the champions league and i'm glad to see that happening for him even if it's away from minnesota but it but yeah this is going to be a very fun and interesting champions league to watch all right well speaking of champions league why don't you talk about a lot of champions league and europa league games in europe getting moved due to covid restrictions yeah so i mean <laughs> What 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 can you really say like uh, about this? I mean, you know, COVID has been has been a problem, especially with the UK variant. And that's where a lot of this stems from. This uh, UK variant of coronavirus has been causing a lot of problems with games in the UK and teams from the UK. So, for example, Spain has restrictions on people from the UK going to Spain. And because of that, that led to quite a few games getting relocated. For example, Arsenal's game versus uh, Benfica, I didn't mention this, but Portugal also has those same restrictions, has been moved to, uh, I believe it's Turin for that one, or, uh, sorry, Stadio Olimpico in Rome for, for that. Okay. And um, it's Manchester United's game versus Real Sociedad being moved to uh, the stadium of Juventus in Turin. And, at, and in the Champions League, we see quite a few... Premier League teams denying any European opponent's home advantage. So, for example, Liverpool and Manchester City are both going to be going to Budapest, uh, to the Puskas Arena, I believe, for nice. their matches against Leipzig and Mönchengladbach. And, you know, if, if you're those two teams, you know, you're already dreading playing these two. I mean, Leipzig might not be dreading playing against Liverpool as much as of their <laughs> yeah, recent form, not. but, uh, you know, uh, Munch and Gladbach playing against Man City, I'd be kind of afraid if they're playing away from home in what should be their home leg. And, uh, you know, facing off against a team that has won 16 out of, uh, of the last games. And, uh, yeah, and a, another big thing to watch out for, you know, this story kind of ends with, uh, with those, but you're going to want to keep an eye out in the future to see if English teams are going to be able to host these second leg games because that hasn't been announced yet. Or confirmed if they're going to be able to and I, I mean honestly if you listened to our second episode I think or third episode we talked about international games and COVID restrictions and honestly I, I feel like that these are just really tough to do in this mm -hmm. period of time and I think it might have worked better if they just adopted the approach of um, last season you know uh, just doing it all condensed towards the end of the season in one place it might it, it i think it might have worked a little bit better but we'll see how this works out if it it could do the same thing as the champions league matches did uh earlier like last season where it was actually primarily responsible for, for spreading coronavirus in a lot of these places so hopefully that doesn't happen again we'll be tracking that and keeping you updated on the second leg games as well in the future yeah I'll just go ahead and agree with you there. I think I think they should adopt, at least for coronavirus, single-legged playoffs for the Champions League. 
and only during COVID because I, I do enjoy the double-legged fixtures. Yeah. But honestly, like, if you're going to have this amount of competitive gray area where it's like these teams who do really well with home advantage, even without fans, they don't get that home advantage. It takes away from the competition. So I'd much rather see them do uh, single-legged matches in in neutral uh, stadiums around Europe. That seems like a lot more responsible given COVID. It, it allows people to not have to travel between one city and the other in quick succession, potentially spreading the disease. But unfortunately, I guess money talks. So that's not going to happen. But we hope for the best in Europe. And we hope for the best, for the best team in the world right now objectively the best team because they won the club world cup i'm talking about bayern munich they became only the second team ever to win the sextuple with a 1-0 win against tigres in the club world cup final it was a close game but a goal from pavard was able to get the job done barcelona were the first team to win the sextuple back in 2009 what is a sextuple well it's not as suggestive as it sounds. A sextuple is winning your country's... <laughs> Jack's laughing at that. Sextuple is winning your country's league, your country's national cup, the Champions League, and then the following season, winning your country's Super Cup, the European Super Cup, and then finally winning the Club World Cup. You have to win pretty much every single trophy that you possibly can. It's such a great achievement. And Bayern are now the trophy holders for those every single competition that they could have won. It's a historically unprecedented feat. Only one team was able to do it. It's a story of consistency throughout a global pandemic. They made light work of their domestic rivals, just, just completely brushing away the likes of Dortmund and RB Leipzig. And they seemed to toy, just toy with the European giants who dared stand in their way. You know, even making PSG kind of passive throughout the, the final. They have some of the best players in the world right now with Neuer, Lewandowski, Davies, Kimmich, Mueller, and way more that I'm forgetting. Like They could just be the, best, the European best 11. And they are the best team in Europe last year, and this year probably. So Jack, I'm going to ask you, are they the best team in the world right now? And for you, where do they rank on the all-time greatest team list? It's a big question. I'm I'm springing on this, on this to you now. But go ahead. Okay, this is a tough one. Well, first of all, the first question is not tough. Yes, they are the best team in the world right now. It's pretty much indisputable. I can't think of a single team that comes close uh, to their consistency, to their just absolute dismantling of teams at times. And we'll see how Man City does this year because they're yeah, in the running that's for true. all four of their cups right now. Manchester so. City is one of those teams that uh, that could be very close to to being up there. But just for right now, because you can't argue with the silverware and you can't yes. argue with the incredible quality of the players they have. I, I'd say they are the best team in the world right now. As for best teams of all time. Now that that gets a lot trickier. Um because I I'd, I'd say that they're pretty close to the top. They're pretty close. They're at the same tier as that Barcelona 2009-2010 era, you know. That that sort of team with Pep Guardiola, Lionel Messi, and uh and Neymar I I believe was there as well at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, 
You're oh wait n- no not, wait. not in 2009 no, wait, i'm thinking wrong uh, i'm thinking uh, i mean pedro was there at at that time you had iniesta javi yes. and you know you you had an, an incredible team and i think that for the next decade or so as that barcelona team was for soccer teams for the decade to come this bayern team will be that for this okay. next decade where that's going that to be the f- success that teams are going to try and replicate and they're going to do it by trying to kind of take some of the tactics and lessons from Bayern. That's a, that's a very reasonable take. Uh, Who knows where they stand in the all time, I guess time will only tell, but yeah, people are going to be looking at this Bayern team the same way that is they look at the Barcelona team in terms of the achievements and in terms of just their dominance this past year. All right, with that, you know, we're running pretty long, but this has been a really good episode so far. So let's just go really quick over the real quick stories. Uh, MLS season has been pushed back to April 23. It was previously the first week of April, but due to the CBA negotiations taking a little bit longer, good two-week delay. Hopefully we can get that sorted out. Uh, Preseason starts very soon in late uh, February and early March. MLS also announced their U22 initiative. I'm reading just directly from a tweet from Sam Stayskull. Uh, to be eligible, a player cannot be 23 in the first season of their contract. And once tagged under this U22 initiative, players can stay under that designation until they turn 25. Uh, teams can sign up to three players under it. Unlimited acquisition costs for these players. So it's practically like another designated player, except only for young players. And they get just three bonus ones. Uh, and yeah, that it's going to be really interesting to see what comes of that, how many teams will uh, be a part of this initiative, how many will sign as much as possible in that first year. And as the more the more news that comes out of it, the more we'll talk about it. This is definitely something to keep track of. And finally, we have Man City are very good. <laughs> That's what I wrote down. It's very true. They haven't lost a game since since we were getting ready for Thanksgiving back in November. That's how dominant they've been in the league and in the cup competitions. We talk a little bit more this com- coming Thursday about inconsistency and how Man City and some other teams have managed to become very, very consistent despite being in coronavirus times and what they're doing that other teams just are not. So if you want to hear more about all the inconsistency going on in Europe right now in terms of how teams are playing. Check out the Thursday episode. It's going to be a great discussion about all of that. And with that, before we get to the rest of the episode, let's rattle off some U.S. men's national team news in the U.S. men's national team corner where we talk about all the great happenings happening with U.S. soccer abroad and at home. Number one, we got Paul Areola gets a Swansea debut. In the same game, Jordan Morris gets his first start for Swansea. And also in the same game for the opposite team, Stefan starts for City in this 3-1 win for Manchester City in the FA Cup. Swansea got bounced by three City goals, but Jordan Morris did start and Areola came off the bench. Morris had some creative runs and Areola had the hockey assist for the Whitaker goal in the 77th minute. It was a decent game, albeit maybe not great for Stefan because he was untested but kind of let in a poor goal from Whitaker. Still decent from all sides. Daryl DK gets his debut for Barnsley in a 1-0 loss to Chelsea in FA Cup. 
the bad guys won once again. I think you mean the good guys. Jack's laughing. I think you mean the good guys. Uh, mm, if an if an American's playing well for uh, a team, I'm gonna consider them the good guys. So Barnsley are the good guys. Pulisic did not play well. Let's get more into that later. But Daryl DK looked so happy to come on. He still has a lot to learn about defensive positioning and pressing. There were some times where he wasn't able to make the most out of his positioning uh, on the Chelsea back line. But there's still a lot to come out of him. The Orlando City Loney has a lot more coming this coming season. Number three, Brendan Aronson scores the winner against Austria Wien for RB Salzburg in the Austrian Bundesliga to win 3-1. The lots of creativity into the final third name drop from him. He toyed with his defender, then shot a great goal. He's going to be really good for them as they enter the Europa League playoffs. It's, it's going to be really entertaining to see what he can do for a very exciting Jesse Marsh-led team. Number four, Reggie Cannon plays really well in a 2-2 draw against, against Porto for Boa Vista. He had a dribble, five interceptions, six regained positions, and two duels won. He plays really well against good opponents as this game against literally one of the best sides in Portugal shows, but he needs to be more consistent in order to be uh, positioned really well in the, R- in the right back position for the U.S. men's national team. Speaking of some position battles, we have Matthew Hoppe being the Bundesliga Rookie of the Month for January. He's pretty much blasted into the scene for U.S. men's national team fans. Getting into the conversation for striker, Again, his January was five goals in three games. Really impressive from the young American. But now he hasn't scored in five games. So he's got to step it up if he wants to continue being in the conversation. And next we have Pulisic, Reina, and Dest all struggling. These players are all in a rough patch. Dest is still coming off an injury. And when he gets on the field, most people agree that he's really good. So he has an excuse. But Pulisic. Pulisic hasn't had a truly impressive game for Chelsea in 2021. He's been coming off the bench for Tuchel's Chelsea, but when he starts, he's not creating, finishing, or facilitating. He's been pretty passive recently. And Reyna has also been pretty passive. Before Lucien Favre was fired, he was one of their best players, but now hasn't scored or assisted in 11 games. Dortmund as a whole have been pretty poor recently, but despite that, he still needs to step up. This is his first real rough patch since his breakout season last year, so we'll see if his mentality is strong enough. I'm not too worried about any of these players. They're still young. There's a lot of turmoil going on in their clubs. They'll be okay. But maybe Reyna won't be okay. Because if he, if Dortmund doesn't make Champions League, he might get sold. News that due to the financial implications of not making the Champions League, Dortmund will be looking to sell some players. That news just came out recently. Reyna is on that list. He has a lot of upside, so I guess selling him would net them a lot of money. But we'll see how that story progresses. And finally, we have the U.S. men's national team friendly in March against Northern Ireland on March 28th. So this is going to be probably a more European uh, team. They're looking for a second game right now because, let's face it, Northern Ireland isn't the best team. It's still a good test, but they're going to look for a second team to go against. But there's not a lot of options due to World Cup qualifiers and Nations League happening at that window I think I read somewhere the best we could do is probably Jamaica in Europe, which is fine. I'd like to see some better competition for the European guys. But at the end of the day, we're in a pandemic. International games shouldn't even be happening. So to get anything, I guess, would be a win for the U.S. 
That's U.S. Men's National Team Corner. Check again for next week where we talk about all the great things happening in U.S. soccer. Let's get into Trivia Jack. Jack, are you ready for this? I mean, I'm terrible at trivia, but let's, let's do it. Okay, so as you guys know, we have this segment for Jack uh, every so often where we ask Jack some three trivia questions, hence why it's called Trivia Jack, about soccer. And last week we went easy, so this week we will not be going easy. Jack, if you get two out of three questions right in Trivia Jack, you win the grand prize of me respecting you. Oh okay, boy. let's oh get boy. into this. This is a Minnesota United question to start okay. off. And, all right, ready? Cue, I'm talking to AJ, the editor right now. AJ, the editor, cue the quiz music now. Number one, name every Minnesota United goalkeeper to play a league game. Ooh. And I'll give you points if you miss one. So as long as you get all but one of them, you will get the points. Everyone to play a league game. Okay, well, let, let's... League game. Not, not, not open cup, not preseason, league right. okay, game. Okay, so let, let's, start, let's start easy. So we have Dane St. Clair. We have yep. Greg Ranjitsin. Play, he played. Yep. Um, we have Tyler Miller. Uh, Vito Manone, yep. of course. Yep. Uh, let's see. I don't even remember who our backup keeper was last season. Uh, or two seasons ago now. Um... Oh, um, Bobby Shuttleworth was definitely one of them. Yep. And I, I, I think that's, I think that's all of them. But I feel like I'm missing like one. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with those five. I'm gonna go. I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go with those five. Is that yeah. your final answer? Final answer. All right, Jack. You are incorrect. What? Oh. If. He, <laughs> if you got one more point, if you got one more person, you would have gotten the points because you're actually missing two goalkeepers. You're right, Vina Manone, St. Clair, uh, Tyler Miller, Lamson. Greg Ranjit Singh, yep, Bobby Shuttleworth, Matt Lamson, and you're missing one. I think it, I, I believe his first name is John. John Alvbuga mm. played three games for Minnesota United to start off their inaugural oh. season, <laughs> let in, I think, like probably 16 goals and was immediately benched immediately benched i think shuttleworth came in and the rest was oh, i can't believe i forgot lampson that's upsetting <sighs> yeah if you got if you got lampson you would have gotten the points if you remember lampson was actually going to be our starting goalkeeper in 2018 until shuttleworth retook that spot so i don't know what to tell you don't know what to tell you <laughs> okay so you're now you're now oh for oh, one boy. you can make it right now one for two and keep yourself in this game if you get this wrong unfortunately you lose trivia jack this is a champions league question because you know we are you know talking about the champions league this coming week a lot of great things coming out of there what links real madrid in 1957 inter milan in 1965 manchester united in 1968 ajax in 1972 Liverpool in 1978 and Borussia Dortmund in 1997. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a common link between all of those teams in all those so, years specifically. Let's see, Real Madrid 1957, uh, Inter Milan like 1962 or 63 was it? Uh, Inter Milan 1965. 65. Oh boy. Um, 
I'm gonna. I I have a feeling it has to do something with their placement in the Champions League that season, and I'm gonna go with they were all runners up in the Champions League. You know, I I actually have no I I have no clue. I'm probably gonna lose here, but that that's that's my guess. Okay. Jack, you are yeah. incorrect again. Unfortunately, you lose this week's version of trivia, Jack. The link between all of them is that they all won the European Cup or Champions League on home soil. Ah, uh, okay. Real Madrid okay. won against Fiorentina in Madrid. Inter Milan beat Benefica in Milan. Manchester United beat Benefica in Wembley. Ajax beat Inter Milan in Rotterdam. Liverpool beat Club Bruges in Wembley and Borussia Dortmund beat Juventus in Munich. Okay. okay so so I see. they weren't runners up. They all won and they all won in their home country. So unfortunately you are over to you lose Oof. this week's version of Trivia Jack, but you can at least get some honor. Let, let's can, try let's can, try this last question. Yeah. yeah. If you get this, I, I will I will still half respect you. How about that? Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Who is the league leader in all-time assists in MLS. League leader in all-time assists. Yeah. So so who, who has oh, assisted the most in this league? And I this is a multiple choice question. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank God. Because I, I kind of banked on you getting the first one right. And <laughs> yeah, I was I like, bad. for sure he's not going to get number two, right? So this one, I think you might be able to get. So okay. all-time leader in assists. Is it A, Preki, who is most noticeably, notably from Kansas City Wizards? Diego Valeri of the Timbers, Carlos Valderrama of Tampa, Miami, and Colorado, back when Tampa and Miami had teams at the same time, back mm-hmm. in the 90s and so. Or is it D, Landon Donovan of the LA Galaxy and San Jose Earthquakes? We're going to go with possibly the greatest U.S. player of all time, and I'm pretty sure I got this, Landon Donovan. Okay. Is that your final answer? Yep, Landon Donovan. We're going to trust you're him. Incorrect. No, I'm incorrect. Gonna, no oh. you're correct. You're correct. Oh, thank God. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I swear. I, 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 it's Landon. Good. Yeah, Landon oh. Donovan, one of the greatest players of all time in terms of U.S. Or, you know, screw it. Best player of all time, <laughs> of all time, of all countries. Now, Landon Donovan, who played for the LA Galaxy and San Jose, is the league leader for all-time assists. I don't have it pulled up. It might be something like 156, something something wow. astronomically crazy. He played a lot of years in MLS, so he's been dominant. He's been good. He is the all-time league leader in assists. And you, Jack, have earned my half respect. Congratulations. Okay, it was it was a good it was a good game. You were close on number one, not so close on number two. You got number three. Pat yourself on the back, and hopefully next time you'll win Trivia Jack. Yeah. Well, you know All what? Right. Let's let's move on to something that I did win. Uh, you well, know, you didn't you didn't necessarily win, well, but go ahead. We'll 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 we'll, we'll take the half victory here. Uh, we're, let's okay. move on to last week's predictions because we had some games that we predicted with Reed, uh, the Atlanta United and Arsenal fan. So, uh, AJ, do you want to kick us off with our game uh, that, you know, happened today? Arsenal versus Leeds. Yes. Arsenal versus Leeds in the Premier League. Leeds only know one thing, and that's attack. It really is the only thing they know because they let in four Arsenal goals in, including a good hat trick from Obama Yang 
and a goal from Bellerin. Abba, Sokka, and Odegaard had a really good showing. That front four looks very, very scary. That's front four with those three, including Smith Rowe. Yet Arsenal pulled an Arsenal and made it way closer than it had to be, despite being up at that point 4-1. Willian coming on seemed to actually help Leeds pull back another goal that came from Struzic and Costa. This match eventually ended with an exciting 4-2 win for Arsenal. And unfortunately, I'm the only one that can see that Arsenal were going to win. We're going to... What am I even saying, dude? I don't even know. You know You're what? The I also don't know. See. Yeah, I was the only one that couldn't see. That's what I'm trying to say. Because I thought that Leeds are going to have like that great attack and Arsenal is going to fall apart. I said 3-2. I got zero points. Jack and Reed both didn't get the scoreline right, but got the result right. Jack said 2-1. Reed said 3-0. He's an Arsenal fan after all. They all get 10 points. Jack, talk me through Liverpool's absolute beatdown at Leicester Stadium. Yeah, well... Let's let's say uh, one thing, you know, Allison, you're getting washed, bro. I don't know. Ooh, it's not it's yes. not looking great for you. Uh, but Leicester completely bounced Liverpool and made them look completely passive. I I think uh, this was was this another home game for Liverpool? I no, this was this was a way to Leicester. This was at Kane Power. Okay. Yep. Uh, so I mean, Mo Salah scored first, uh, and it was a pretty good goal. It wasn't bad. Uh, but. Then Barnes, Madison, and Vardy, I think they all score within like 12 minutes or something like that. It was, yeah. it was a very quick flurry of goals. And they took out Liverpool 3-1. to one. Allison crashed into the, de- the debutante, Ozan Kabak, to give Vardy a free run through on goal. And uh, it, was just, it just shows really bad run of form from Allison. Uh, and, you know, making eight, Adrian and Kepa look like Really great keepers, honestly. Yeah, yeah. honestly. Get, do you want to know a fun stat from this past week, AJ? Tell me. Tell me. Let me know. Uh, how many clean sheets did Allison keep versus how many clean sheets did Kepa keep? Uh, ooh. Can you give me, like, at least a little bit of a range, just so I know that... Yeah, uh, it's a range of zero to one. <laughs> ooh. Let me guess. Kepa has one. Allison has zero? Yeah. Look oh at that. Gosh. Anything can happen. Anything, Anything can happen. Can but, happen. Oh my god! Uh, as, as far as this goes, you know, <laughs> yeah, AJ saw AJ saw the light on this one and gave Leicester yes, the win, a one-zero win. So not the right uh, the right score line, but ten points nonetheless. And Reed yeah. and I both got the result wrong. I guessed a win for Liverpool. Stupidly, you could argue, given their recent form. And Reed guessed a draw. So we both get zero points. Yes, and moving on to still in England, Manchester United versus West Ham in the FA Cup. It was a weirdly close game, and that's coming from a West Ham fan who's usually not used to that kind of stuff. West Ham were content sitting back a bit, going on the counter. They were outshot 17-3, to but were still pretty defensively sound. Even when Fernandes came on, it kind of seemed pretty, pretty even. But a McTominay goal eventually gave the win to the bad guys. But the bigger loss for West Ham, because I can swallow losing the Manchester United. They're, they're a good team. The bigger loss was losing Ogbonna and Diop to injury. Our, our starting center back and our second choice center back. We both lost them to, due to injury. West Ham's paper thin squad is simply not enough to compete in all these competitions. That's the big story out of all of this. Very disappointing. 
I was the only one that couldn't see that Manchester United was going to win. I said 1-2 to uh, West Ham. Jack and Reed both guessed a Manchester United win. Jack said 3-2. Reed said 2-1. Not the, the scoreline, but they still get 10 points each. Yeah. Jack, take us to Italy. Yeah, my favorite league, uh, you know, uh, Serie A. And we had Napoli versus Juventus, a very big game, a southern versus northern rivalry that dates back to the 80s and 90s when Napoli were more dominant than they have been recently. But we get kind of a shock result here. Uh, you, you see Napoli winning 1-0 to zero, thanks to a Lorenzo Insigne penalty goal. And, uh, you know, Juventus's midfield looks so lost without Weston McKenney. And it just shows how much of an impact he's had on that team. Mm-hmm. And Napoli, to their credit, did a very good defensive job. They've, de- they've been very great defensively for the past few games. And uh, Lozano closed the game out. And Lorenzo Insigne makes his, uh, fun fact, 100th goal Dang. for the club uh, to give them a win over uh, the current Italian champions. And this is huge because... There are very few players who have scored over 100 for Napoli. This list includes, you know, Dries Mertens. Uh, you, uh, you have, um, I, was all, I was almost going to say Merrick Rodak, but I, I meant um, uh, Milik, Aruk, uh, Arustic Milik, I think. I can't pronounce is, uh, that right. Is Diego Maradona on yeah, that and list? Yes, it includes okay. the elites such as Diego Maradona. So, uh you know, this is a pretty cool game for many reasons. It changes the Scudetto race a little bit and gives mm-hmm. an advantage to the Milan teams, but it's even bigger for Lorenzo Insigne. And uh, none of us got this right, actually. We all guessed Juventus would win, but, uh, you know, Lorenzo Insigne just wanted to hit the 100 club more. Yes. AJ guessed 1-3, to three. I guessed 0-2, to two, and so did Reed. And mm-hmm. for that reason, none of us got any points from this game. Unfortunate, unfortunate, unfortunate that Barcelona in Spain failed to get any goal against Sevilla. So this is Sevilla versus Barcelona in the Copa del Rey semifinal leg one. Not good enough from Barcelona. Sevilla are an extremely, extremely good side that managed Barcelona's pressure really, really, really well. Barcelona's defensive nightmares just seem to pile on every single week because whenever they play an actually quality side, one or all of Umtiti, Alba, and Langlet just crap the bed. They need to find replacements for them. All credit to, uh, you know Sevilla better. Is it is that Kunda and Kunde Rakitic? and Rakitic, Kunde yeah. And Rakitic of Sevilla for humbling the Spanish giants. Barcelona are going to have to recalibrate if they want to make it to the Copa del Rey final. They got to get ready for their home matchup against Sevilla in the second leg of this semifinal I guessed one two to Barcelona because I just, I just felt that Messi was gonna make stuff happen. But Jack and Reed saw the light. Jack said three one. Reed said two one. They both get ten points, and that closes out last week's predictions with a scoreline of AJ ten again for the third week in a row. I only get one scoreline right. Jack thirty and Reed thirty. So we have me at. Two wins, four losses, not great. Jack at two wins, three losses, one tie. All, all of our guests in general as one win, one tie. So, Jack, how are you feeling after tying with a guest? Yeah, I mean, 
our guests have been really good so far, and uh, it's it, it it's been really tough to beat them. Uh, I I'm I'm not sure how long it will be until someone matches Griffin's record of guessing every single game correctly, but uh, we will see in time. And you know, with that, why don't we take it over to our next guest today? And we have my cousin Aiden here. So now that we've looked at our predictions from last week, let's move on to some predictions for this week. And we have a guest this week again. We have my cousin here from Arkansas, Aiden. Aiden, you wanted to say hi and introduce yourself? Explain uh, your soccer fandom a little bit? Uh, all right, so I'm Aiden. Just a little bit about my soccer background. I started playing when I was younger uh, up here in Minnesota, and then I moved down to Arkansas, and I started playing with the Sporting Arkansas, an academy team from Kansas City and so I just went through their program and stuff and throughout that I went to camps up in Kansas City uh, trained with their coaches as well as in FC Dallas uh, I did a couple week-long camps there and I just trained with some of their youth players and their coaches and just learned a lot through that wow nice nice well Jack why don't you kick us off with the first game yeah, so we've got a big match. First of all, we've got Barcelona versus PSG. Uh, what should have been a cool reunion between Lionel Messi and Neymar is no longer going to be a reunion as Neymar was ruled out with a hip injury. As we all know, he gets injured around this time of year. And yes. this is going to be an interesting game because Barcelona and PSG are both on great form. Barcelona are in their last 10 are 8-0-2. And PSG are 8-1-1, one, and one. so it, they've both been doing really well. But ultimately, because no French team has ever won at the Camp Nou uh, it, since the 1980s, and given that PSG are going to be missing Neymar, I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw, just because Barcelona are okay. coming off of that loss uh, in, the, uh, in the Copa del Rey to Sevilla. So I think that they might have a little bit of confidence shaken, but I think they'll do enough to win a, a home draw here. All right. Aiden, what do you think? Well, with Neymar being injured, I'm going to have to give this one to Barcelona in a 2-1 win. Uh, just because I know Barcelona, they do have some older talent. But I feel like Messi in the end will come through for the win. Yes, I'm going to have to hard agree with that. I think Messi, obviously the last game against Sevilla, didn't really perform up to par. But with PSG missing Neymar... And PSG playing well, as Jack said, but against, let's be honest, some pretty mediocre Liga sides. I don't think they have the, the real quality and the mentality in them to compete with an informed Barcelona. So I'm going to go with a 3-1 win for Barcelona. And next up, with our rivalry week continuing, we have USA women's team versus the Canadian women's team in the She Believes Cup. The She Believes Cup is... a uh, a cup competition held every week between, not every week, every year between the USA and three other countries. And it's basically just a, just a round-robin tournament that pits the best teams against the best teams. And this year we have the USA, Argentina, Brazil, and Canada. First matchup of this tournament is USA versus Canada. And the way that I see it, I'm just going to be quick with this. The USA literally hasn't lost a game in the past two years. Canada is missing their star captain, Christine Sinclair, along with countless others like Matheson and MacLeod due to injury. 
this is a recipe for disaster for Canada. I'm seeing a lot of good goals from some of the U.S. veterans. Sad to see Mewis out, but maybe Rapino gets a goal. And I think they win 4-0. Jack, what do you think? It's funny you say that because I predicted the exact same scoreline. I'm thinking oh, no. 4-0 as well. Uh, you know, the U.S. women's national team, they're the world champions. You, I'm not betting against the world champions in this stage. Uh, and, you know, as you said, Canada's missing some great players. And, you know, at the end of the day, the U.S. just has the talent, has more talent and a more experienced squad. And I'm going to ride with that all the way through. All right. All right. Aiden, what do you think about this? Uh, I'm going to go very similar to you guys, but I'm going to have to go with a 4-1 to USA. Okay. I just feel like towards the end there, they might get a little sloppy, even though we don't see that very often. But I just feel like Canada might get that one in the last five, ten minutes of the match. But, you know, that's one rivalry. And here we're going to another ginormous one. That's the Merseyside Derby in Liverpool. Liverpool versus Everton, a real spicy matchup, I suppose you can call it. Jack, who do you think is going to come out on top, if any team? Well, this is tough because the last Merseyside derby, if I remember from this season, ended in a stalemate. And, you know, uh, neither of these teams are on great form, to be honest. Uh, I just checked the score since we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, and Everton got beaten by Fulham in a 2-0 defeat at home. Uh, And they're playing at Anfield, which usually would be a huge deal, except Anfield has been terrible for Liverpool recently. They have lost their last four home games there. So this is going to be really tough, but I'm ultimately going to give it to... I'm going to give Everton the edge on this. They're riding high after that high-scoring FA Cup thriller, nine goals in the entire game. And I think that that's going to carry them through at... A Liverpool who look so low on confidence that, like, you know, they're making Timo Werner look like a very threatening goal scorer, honestly, even though yeah. he doesn't score. And especially with Allison's recent mistakes, it shows you that form, uh, form droughts and can happen to anyone, really. And I think Everton are going to take this in a 2-1 win to win their first Merseyside derby in, I think, nearly 15 years. Yes. So... Okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count it out to me for an Allison mistake and a Mo Salah pen, penalty to be involved yeah. in this game. Okay. Aiden, what do you think about this really big matchup? I feel I'm going to give this to Liverpool in a 2 0 right. W because I just have a feeling that at, at one point they're going to have to bounce back. And I just feel like since they've been so dominant in the past against Everton, I feel like they're going to have to take this win. Okay. Ooh, two nil. That's a, that's a, I, that's kind of like a hot take in in this uh, in this Liverpool season. Yeah, very 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 spicy take. But I think I I don't know. I it could happen. You know, they they might show up against Everton. They might show up, but in my mind, they won't. Right now, the only thing that Liverpool is good at is losing. They lost <laughs> their last three on an aggregate of eight to two. That's that's terrible in terms of how Liverpool usually does. They have a midweek game against RB Leipzig that they no doubt will obviously be focused on. It's the Champions League. But with all this being said, Everton haven't won against Liverpool since 2010. It's been more than 10 years. They haven't won at Anfield since 1999. 
That's before any of us were born. Like, this is completely, completely one-sided rivalry for the past 22 years. However, the world is different now. Liverpool are on such a downwards trend. Everton just tied United, came back against Tottenham. It's time for change, Jack. It's time for change. I'm joining you. I'm going with... I'm going to go with a 2-1 a win for Everton as well. And with that, we're going to go with West Ham versus Tottenham. Aiden, I don't know if you know this, but I am a West Ham fan. So I'm going to give you the honors of giving your first prediction for this game. And if you say the wrong answer, I will be disappointed. So go ahead. All right. Well, I'm actually going with a West Ham 2-1 to victory. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, just because they seem like they've been playing decently well these past few matches, and I just have confidence in them. All right, all right. Jack, are you joining him on the West Ham bandwagon? You know, I hate to feed your ego more as a West Ham fan, but, you know, I, I'm going to have to do it. Tottenham, go. Tottenham have been terrible recently. Like, it, it's beyond bad, honestly. They can't seem to defend to save their lives, honestly. Uh, Lloris has not looked great, and even their strike partnership, you know, Harry Kane and Hyun Son, not looking at its best. And because of that, I'm going to go for a West Ham 3, Tottenham 1. So okay. I, I think West Ham might, might concede 1 to, like, you know, some weird mistake that happens for some reason, but I honestly think, since they've been defensively pretty solid... I can't see Tottenham getting more than one past them. All right. Well, this is also another rivalry, I suppose. This is, yes. uh, this is West Ham versus Tottenham. This is, this is East London. West Ham's fiery form has kind of dropped off. They've only won one in the last four. But to be fair, two of those games were against Liverpool and United. Uh, but still, you know, not the best. Tottenham's obviously not doing much better. Uh, their last win in the past six games, was against the lowly West Brom. That kind of sucks. Uh, something that I didn't know until literally today when I looked it up is that they had, they're they still in the Europa League. They're going against uh, an Austrian team, I believe, on Wolfsburg, Thursday. Yeah. They'll, have a th they'll have two days in between Thursday and Sunday to get ready for West Ham. That's, that's very hard to do. West Ham earlier this season you know, famously came back from 3-0 down to tie at 3-3. That was at Tottenham's own stadium. We've seen what they can do, do to Tottenham. I think West Ham do win this, but because West Ham are out with a lot of key players, namely Antonio, if he isn't fit still, uh, we have Diop and Ogbana, unfortunately, out. I think West Ham have the talent, but it's going to be close. It's going to be 3-2 to two for West Ham. But, you know, I, I appreciate you guys supporting the team. I, I, think, I think that's good. I think... Jack, one of the biggest rivalries in Italy, biggest rivalries in the world. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, well, we've seen this game play out before a couple of times, I, I believe, this season already. And uh, the last one ended with Inter winning as 2-1 to victors, thanks to a Christian Eriksen free kick in the Coppa Italia quarterfinal. And this time around, I think that it's going to be... They're going to be out for revenge, AC Milan. They, they want this victory because this is going to be huge. If Inter win here, 
they go top of the Serie A table, which is a huge deal. And to be to do it while beating their city rivals will be a huge motivation for them. That being said, though, uh, you know, Inter's form has been a little shaky recently. But I think the other thing is AC Milan probably won't be as com- as complacent in their defending. Zlatan probably won't be getting a red card this time around. That's true. And even though AC Milan do have a Europa League game midweek, I think that this is going to be a 2-2 draw. I, I can't really okay. separate these two. They're both playing pretty well. Uh, AC Milan 6-0-4. Inter is 5-3-2. And... Two, and I ultimately think that this will end in a 2-2 draw, but it's going to be a very fun game to watch. All right. Well, Aiden, you know, this, this is your last prediction of the week. Give us a good one. Give us a good one. Uh, I'm actually going to have to go with Inter Milan with a 2-1 victory on this one. Okay. Because uh, AC Milan recently just lost to, sorry if I bur- butcher this, Spezia. Spezia, yeah. Spezia. Yeah. And they're more of one of the lower... Yeah. Lower ranking teams uh, on the Serie A, so, and I just don't think that they're gonna be able to rebound after that two nil loss. So, all right, that's that's a, that's, a, that's a fair prediction. We got we got some we got some both sides action going on. I suppose the way that I see it is that this is really a coin flip for me. Inter Inter won the last game between them. They seem to be on better form. AC Milan have historically the season had the mentality to win. To me, they're both on top of the Serie A table. It's hard to separate them, so I won't. I'm going with a zero-zero draw. Wow, a, a very you know you know what we say like whenever we have really hyped matchups, it always ends up being zero-zero. This yeah, is that most, that has been a trend. That has been a trend. This has been one of the most hyped matchups historically. You know, it's it's Milan versus Milan. I'm gonna go zero zero, just just to be boring, because I I've been a bit too adventurous the last couple of weeks. It's cost me. I'm gonna go <laughs> very conservative on this one. I'm gonna go zero zero. But that wraps it up for next week's predictions. Tune back next week for when we review how badly Jack and I do. But Aiden, thank you for joining us. How do you feel about your predictions this week? Do you think you'll be able to continue the trend of our guests doing really well with these? Uh, I believe I did very well. I <laughs> feel like I'm at least going to get three out of the five correct. Okay. Just because, no, I'm just going off that hope and just hoping those teams will have my back on this. All right. Well, Jack, do you think your cousin can get you? Uh, you know, he, he tends to be better at predicting things than I, than I am. And if you look at my fantasy team and any other predictions I make, you know that I'm generally pretty awful at them. So, uh, I think he could, he could. All right. Well, not as awful as me again, Aiden, thank you so much for joining us this week. All right. Thank you for having me. That is our time here on the final third, pretty well, pretty much a long episode for, for today, but still we talked a lot about the crazy news that's happening all around the world jack do you have anything to say to the people listening as always make sure to follow our twitter at final third show uh we're tweeting it we're tweeting on there all the time uh so come interact with us it's a it's a fun time you can see some uh great and sometimes terrible takes on soccer from around the world 
and, uh, you know, make sure uh, to interact with us on there. If you have ideas of, you know, maybe how we can break tiebreakers on our predictions in the future, or if you have other ideas on what we could, uh, what we could add to the show, then uh, let us know. And I, I'm really happy to see the response that we're getting and that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are happy to listen to us. So uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening so far. All right. Yeah. And yeah, that's our time. Don't forget to leave a rating if you're on Apple Podcasts. Follow us wherever you listen to us. Tell a friend about the show. Tell your dad, even, perhaps. And yeah, we'll see you guys for the Thursday Deep Dive episode. And we'll see you guys for the News and Predictions show. Same place and same time next week. Bye. Bye.